Slam, and welcome to the jam. Come on and slam, if you want to jam. Slam, damn, him, ma'am, get on the floor and jam. If you hear on the microphone, if you take get in the zone, hey, bonnie, 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 Work that body, work that body, make sure you don't work nobody. Everybody get up, it's time to slam down. We got a real jam going on. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. Hey, you, what you gonna do? Hey, you, what you gonna do? Hello, everybody. Hey. What's up? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, sure. I don't know. I'm hot. You're hot. Why yeah, are you I hot? Take my shirt off. We were watching a couple of trailers. Ooh, he got all hot and bothered. So hot. I'm getting you a case of the vapors. Well, so today is again we're disregarding our normal format of watching the movie the night before and then doing our podcast. We watched a movie a couple days ago. We want to talk about. Well, we weren't even planning on doing a podcast on this movie. We just kind of threw it on because we wanted to watch a good movie, and then we were so hyped watching it. Well, it's one of our favorite movies. We knew we were going to be hyped, but we didn't know how high high the hype could go. And then we had this idea of watching some trailers and talking about it. My brother-in-law, Jake, recommended that we should do some episodes on trailers, and we thought it was a really good idea. So here we are on our casual Friday, but it's actually Tuesday. Yeah, casual Friday on Tuesday episode. So we watched a couple of trailers, and a couple of days ago we watched Dread. So we're going to talk about that stuff today. Oh, you're hot too. Yeah, I'm hot too. I'm taking my shirt off. I thought I was wearing my dog shirt again, mm. but I guess I changed it last do, night. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Today I'm wearing my Denver, Colorado uh, jelly toast shirt. Uh, it was a gift gift to me from my friend Julie, who lives in Colorado. So That's thank cool you, shirt. Julie. It's a really nice shirt. It's really comfortable. It's got a cute piece of bread on it. I'm going to kick myself in the face with my coffee mug. Oh, man. We're really... We're, uh, we're shooting for the Emmys today. So which trailer do you want to talk about first i would like to talk about the space jam trailer first since we opened with hey ladies obviously the most memorable thing about space jam is the song the original i mean and then what do you feel about how the song was used in the trailer for the new space jam the legacy continues featuring lebron james and don cheadle and, and computer don cheadle um, well, I mean, I think at this point in time with all these reboots and remakes and sequels and prequels, we're all used to the sort of uh, classic hit slowed down. Sometimes they'll do it with a piano. Sometimes they'll do it with some EDM music and some boahs. And today we got a slow down with a boah. And quite frankly, it gave me Space Jam blue balls. What in the Matrix hell? Welcome to the space. The space. The space. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the Serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? 
the only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait! What is this? Ah! <sighs> I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Yeah, I mean, the song requires no improvement. No. Or adjustment. I mean... How can you just, improve perfection? Just let it come on whenever your trailer is, like, reaching its climax. Just let it come on. I don't understand... Right. I feel Why like it had to be tampered with in order to make it more in the line with like what viewers expect from trailers these days, which are pretty much garbage. Anyway. Yeah. Well, what did you say trailers are nowadays? They're like mini cuts of the movie. It's like trying to distill the movie into two minutes and then you end up giving away so much of it. Most of the time, I don't even want to watch the movie after I've seen the trailer. It doesn't make me want to watch the movie. That's exactly how I feel. And if there's a movie that I genuinely want to watch, I will not, not, not watch the trailer right, for Right, because I'm afraid that it's going to dissuade me from or wanting not, to watch. Not dissuade me, but I, I'm i the type where I loathe spoilers. And, you know, there have been studies done that show that people who do have movies spoiled, spoil, spoiled, 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 they can enjoy it just as much as the people who have no idea what's going to happen because really? it's sort of validating the information that you already have. It's rewarding in its own way. But I like I like the surprise. I don't want to know anything about what's going to happen in the movie. I want the whole thing to be a new experience that I can develop my feelings and emotions along the way. Yeah, because if you're if you know any point that the journey is going to reach then you, as you're going down the journey, you know which pathways are going to be taken to get to that point. Whatever it is, like if it's something, some little tidbit, even like a little tidbit about something that happens, like it just eliminates part of the magic and fun of just watching a movie and being carried away by it. Well, that's, I mean, that's just how I, that's how we feel. I, I, I can understand why people want to see the trailers oh, people I, want sure. to have the spoilers trailers make sense i mean how else are you supposed to know which movie suits you right without a trailer right it can be if you don't watch the trailer it can definitely be a big gamble you don't know what you're getting into but it's fun i like it i think one of one of my biggest examples was i didn't watch the trailer for hereditary and i didn't read anything about hereditary i just knew it was a really spooky movie and whoo, that was an experience. Right. But anyways, we're talking about the Space Jam trailer. I don't think we introduced ourselves. I'm Kelsey. I'm Ross. We're married. We like movies. Sometimes we watch movies, and then we like to talk about them. Yeah. And this is a Casual Friday on Tuesday. Yeah, Casual Friday on Tuesday. Movie club. Last night, two nights ago today. Yeah. This week. <laughs> <laughs> So we watched the Space Jam trailer. What did you think? Was it good or bad? I don't know. It, it's just a trailer. How do you even say if it's good or bad? What are the what are the criteria we're basing it on? Because I feel like as a movie, it's it, I understand more if it's good or bad. But a trailer, what's it meant to do? Really? Well, you said the trailer is basically a mini version of the movie that's been edited. At least trailers today. If it's meant to make me wa want to watch the movie, then I 
it didn't make me want to watch the movie. No, it didn't make me want to watch the movie. Either. But that might just be the fact that the movie's not very good. And maybe, like, the trailer can't make a movie that's not going to be good look good. Well, I mean, I guess it can, but that in and of itself would be somewhat deceitful. Right. I wouldn't want that. They try to put some jokes in it. I didn't find the jokes to be very funny. No, like when the grandma, references. When the grandma did some old school break dancing, you know, usually they have some sort of very funny joke at the end. And if that's your very funny joke, then it's not promising for the rest of the movie. This is the thing, like, a trailer for Space Jam should have in itself been like a concept trailer where like it's a, a riff off of like the tropes of trailers or something like right. that. Like it should Ooh. be something original. You know what would have been cool is if they had made it more not less of a trailer and more of a commercial for the big event. Like coming this June, the basketball event of a lifetime. And then Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. Oh my god, my heart rate would have been so through the roof if that had happened. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. I also have a feeling, just from watching the trailer, that this movie is going to be a little bit confused about who its audience is, because the references are very adult, but, you know, the movie is very kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes they make kids' movies that are entertaining for adults, because they're very cleverly written and they just fuse they fuse comedy together very well. But I have a feeling maybe this will be a bit of a hodgepodge in so the comedy. Like there's one point where LeBron is trying to figure out who he wants on the team and I saw on the list like Gandalf and the Iron Giant and I'm just thinking, what children know those things? Well, then the Iron Giant appears later. So, I mean, like, Does he? Yeah, he's in the trailer. The Iron Giant is so hot right now. He's in that movie Ready Player One. Well, that is exactly what I was going to bring up because this trailer seems like it's essentially inspired by Ready Player One. At least the movie, I mean, the movie seems like so it's going to be. Did you see, there's like King Kong comes in at one point and there's just all these, there's like a scene where there's just a field of all these different characters like moving and it reminds me, I haven't seen Ready Player One but it reminds me of that scene. I guess it's the finale of Ready Player One where all the people yeah, in the game are trying to get the egg or whatever, and they just there's all these different pop culture characters. And it just seems like a pop culture reference clusterfuck. Yeah, so it's basically going to be nostalgia, the movie. Well, that's what Ready Player One was, and that's what it seems like they're going for here, which is disappointing because with the Looney Tunes, you don't why, – why are you bringing the Iron Giant? The Iron Giant is not a fucking Looney Tune character. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Iron Giant in Space Jam 1? No. No. It was only Looney Tunes. It the, was Looney Tunes. And, you know, the, the what was the Monster Squad called? I uh, forget. The Monstars. The Monstars. Oh, you, they weren't Looney Tune originals, they but Looney they Tunes, were great. But they were fucking hand-drawn cartoons. Like, they weren't they, CGI monstrosities like they have in this movie. Some mega water dude and some fire dude and a mega computerized robot guy and, and you had danny devito as the villain oh yeah danny a fat DeVito chubby was the little villain. alien like well, it was so good that's the thing is that the monsters were not a part of the looney tune world but they didn't feel out of place no they were basically just new looney tunes characters and they were already kind of established because you have the martian so it was like I think they kind of established that they lived uh, on Mars or something. No, they I didn't live on they Mars. They live on some They're planet, They're from right? somewhere. But, but 
they also were able to get oh i wonder if they'll have five other basketball stars in this one because that was the thing about space jam was they didn't just have michael jordan they had five other homies who i don't remember their names because because i'm not that into basketball sorry i think charles barkley was one of them was larry bird one of them yeah larry bird and then who's the short guy scotty pippen i don't know but these weren't players to sneeze at and they got them and they got uh they got newman in there too sure newman and is great bill murray space jam you know i'm gonna give space jam i'll give it a six and a half out of ten it's it's a good movie it's good for kids it's also really weird it's a really weird movie it is when the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Could I have your your John Hancock? What's going on here? We need your help! Am I wrong but does michael jordan ever get turned into a cartoon in space jam no not until the very end where he stretches his arm out for the slam but dunk. he doesn't become a cartoon his arm just stretches no but you know what whenever lebronson became a cartoon LeBronson. <laughs> whenever lebron 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 james mm-hmm Remember LeBron became the cartoon, I was kind of excited because I was like, oh, yes, the return to 2D animation. And then, of course, we have to have the magical mumbo jumbo where they all become 3D instead. Yeah, that also was a big disappointment to me um, to see that they are not even going to try to embrace the The artistic vision of 2D animation, which is Looney Tunes is 2D. We don't need 3D models where every single feather on Tweety Bird's body is like animated <laughs> with the wind. And it's just so ridiculous. I mean, maybe they maybe they just wanted to separate themselves from the original Space Jam. Also, they, yeah, but I did find it weird that in the original Space Jam, the audience is all it all takes place in Toon. Not all of it, but the whole game takes place in Toon well, World. And Toon World is like a place in this movie. They're just going into some computer, and the server verse. Yeah, and then that that answers that's the question. Like these characters aren't real; then they're just artificial intelligence inside of some computer. In the other movie, it was a magical world that you get transported into. Right, which is so funny because <laughs> that's another point where it's really weird. But you kind of have to love how weird it is because doesn't uh, doesn't Newman get to Toon World by just digging a hole on the golf course? Yeah, and like, that's how they get Jordan too, is he reaches down to grab a golf hole and he gets pulled into the ground. Right, which implies that these characters are they exist. They really have personalities and consciousnesses. They exist somewhere. In this movie, if we take the idea of them living in a server, that just means that they don't really exist. They're just, you know, yeah. But in like the end, but programs. In the end of something. the trailer, we see them at the game, and LeBronson's wife is there. Right. I mean, LeBronson's been put into the Matrix or whatever. Well, no, actually, LeBron is in the Matrix, and LeBronson 
gets kidnapped by yeah, Don LeBronson. Cheadle. LeBronson gets kidnapped, and LeBron has to play a game to get right. him back. I, but why does Don Cheadle kidnap him? Why does he even want to play against him? what the fuck is Don Cheadle, computer Don Cheadle? What a horrible villain. What is that? I mean, I don't mind Don Cheadle as a villain. I, I like Don, Don Cheadle. Che- I love Don Cheadle, but... Hashtag not my Don Cheadle. Look at a picture of Danny DeVito's character from Space Jam. Look at it, and then look at Don Cheadle, Mecha Don Cheadle, and then tell me which one's cooler. Like, that character design, it's just Don Cheadle... That's not a character design. That's I mean, a guy. Like be- this guy, this villain over here with the Danny DeVito, that's a character design that just yeah, oozes but, this gross but, evilness. But it's you still, got Don Cheadle. Like, that's a guy. It's still kind of just like animated Danny DeVito, though. It is. It is. But there's at least some, some artistry at play. We don't just do flashing lights at every fucking yeah, character on the screen. And I just, do. I hate the flashing lights. I hate the CGI nightmares. Save me. CGI nightmare out the ass. Okay, so now let's talk about the other trailer that we just watched. Okay, it was for the Batman. The Batman, which went in the opposite direction. Okay, no CGI in this trailer that I saw. Well, I don't think Batman has ever been associated with CGI. (sighs) I mean... I yeah, mean, it's CGI, usually more practical but effects, but there's always effects. I mean, like, yeah, of course there's special effects, but it's like, not. You think back to the older Batmans, especially Batman and Robin. Yeah, but all Mr. Freeze. Those nipples were not CGI. Ivy. Those nipples no, were practical. But there is a lot of effects, and there were CGI effects too, like Mr. Freeze's freeze rays oh, and stuff well. like that. And, well, but yeah, but but it's like an effect. It's effects not driven, right? It's not. Thing. It's not an actor on a green screen. Right. And then we move away from that with the Nolan Batman movies towards gritty, grounded, realistic Batman action. And then it seems like this is a continuation of that. I haven't seen any of the Ben Affleck Batman movies. Didn't we watch the Justice League? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a Batman movie, but... He's in it. Yeah, he is in it. I don't know. I... I didn't like the Justice League. If you nope. like it, more power to you, but not for me. But anyways, this trailer, it didn't look bad. Well, wait, so how does Batman become a different guy? Is he still the same guy? They just change the actor and they don't address it? Is he Maybe. still Bruce Wayne? I mean, it might just be... I don't. Well, and it's hard to say because it's from the same company, but maybe it's just another reboot. Another Batman reboot. And you notice the boots were very heavily featured in one scene. The boots? Yeah, there boots. W- yeah, there was a scene where we were just focused on boots. I didn't see that. I didn't catch that. It was very boot-heavy mm. reboot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say I was impressed with this trailer, but while the other movie was giving me Ready Player One vibes, Space Jam, this one was... What, what movie inspirations were you getting from this one? Uh, probably Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some Batman Begin Dark Knight inspiration because it's here's the thing the 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 trailer was good it was interesting but it wasn't it's just gritty Batman again right it doesn't seem like a a departure I I personally was getting some strong kind of like seven vibes from seven yeah well also it seems like they're trying to throw all of the villains into there which could be a problem because it might villains did you spot i saw the 
was there some like a Joker gang and maybe some hints at the Riddler because there were some question marks. I saw a Catwoman. Those could have just been kind of like gangsters on the streets. But they had the smiles on their face. Were they smiles? They, they had more the, like skull makeup. Or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm worried there's going to be too many villains because you it, need a couple. So you if you have a if you have super villains with not like just villains, right? Batman pretty much just has villains. Some of them are super villains, but they're though. not that super. Like, no. they can't control shit with well, their mind. But they and, like, used, blow I up mean, cities and stuff. They used to be super villains, like Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze. Those are but super they're villains. A little bit super, but they don't really got that much going on. Like, they aren't like Superman, Thanos type shit where or like captain marvel where you could just basically they could just do anything wonder woman can just do anything yeah but they still i think they at least are like the threat level of a city they're a threat level equal to batman it's like a super cop versus a super villain criminal (laughs) they're like just really good criminals okay so let's call them super criminals then because batman still is a superhero he's like a super cop though he's basically like He's very, actually kind of similar to Dread in a way. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Dread. Let's wrap <laughs> up this trailer. Because he takes the law into his own hands, and he fills in the gaps which exist in the system, which allow criminals to fall through and eventually ruins like the city of Gotham for the actual citizens. The hell are you supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm vengeance. But anyway, I think the since they're not really that powerful, like in the like Batman Returns was my or Batman Begins was my favorite. Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Well, he's not even hardly in it, but he's still a villain. Yeah, he's a mastermind. Yeah, and then you have the the scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah. So you got two villains, and that's perfect. Mm. But if you get three. It's a bit too much. It's a bit too much because then you have to, you can't really develop three villains in this, unless you have like a bloated movie and then it's just like, oh. What's the point? Right. So I hope they only do two. I Obviously, it looks like the Riddler. I would be so excited for a gritty Riddler because I, I always love the Riddler. <laughs> I love Riddler. Griddler. I'd be excited for a Griddler. a Griddler. I like the Jim Carrey Riddler from. <laughs> I will be so awesome if they brought Jim Carrey back to reprise <laughs> his role. Stop. But he could be. I think if he was a dramatic Riddler, he it would, would be do so just good because he has evolved as an actor now. Yeah. He has evolved as a person. Like he could bring a real pathos to the role of the Riddler. He'd be <laughs> sick. Yeah, that would be really cool. Oh, who's uh, we have Robin Pattinson. Rob Robin Rob. Robert Pattinson. We're real bad with those names. Robert. Sorry, Robert. Robin, Robin Patterson. Robert. Robert Patterson. Robert. Robin pa- Patterson. Robert. Pa- <laughs> Stop. Robert Patterson. Robin Patterson. Robert Patterson. Is that Pattinson. his name? His real name is Robert Pattinson. <laughs> but I like the idea of a Batman whose actual name is Robin. <laughs> Anyways, Robert Pattinson is playing Batman in this role. And I have to say, I absolutely love him. And I feel like he played the game of acting so smart because he did those Twilight movies. And you can see the interviews of him saying, yeah, this is garbage. But he made bank, and now he can be in whatever movie he wants to be whenever he wants to do it. 
Millions of Twilight fans out there just cannot wait to see this. Uh, it's very uh, almost heartbreaking because they don't want it to be over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bittersweet, isn't it? Um, for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think this is one of the movies he wants to be in? Like he loves the Batman, he really wants to be Batman, or is he just doing that again? Like is he just getting that again. mega paycheck and then he's gonna go on and do other stuff that he really wants to do? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see the receipts. But maybe he wanted to be Batman. I could see well, that. I yeah, who wouldn't? In my opinion, if I was an actor, I'd want to be Batman. Right, right. I mean, it's unfortunate he has to be in this Batman series, but maybe it's a new, fresh take on Batman. Well, it is. It must be because you can't you can't carry on the vibe of the other DC Batman movies when you don't have the same Batman. Right. And they weren't terribly well received to begin with, so why would you want to? Right. 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 Well, do we know who dire is directing this? Certainly not Zack Schneider. No, I don't know. Matt Reeves is the director. I don't know who that fuck that is. I don't is. know who that is either. I guess he did. He was the writer for Let Me In, which was a remake of an actually amazing movie called Let the Right One In. Oh, okay. He did Dawn of the Planet. Oh, okay. So he was a director for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but he was also the director for Cloverfield. The original one? Yeah, the 2008 one. Huh. So, but, ooh. Well, it doesn't say what he did for the Cloverfield Paradox, so maybe his name is just attached somehow to that. It's on his IMDb. But the Clo original Cloverfield was really good. So, you know what? The jury's out for this movie. We'll Maybe we'll watch it when it's free on some kind of service. Well, who do you think the other villain will be? We got the Riddler. We got a clown I gang. I think they have to give Jared Leto uh, some kind of cameo or something. No. He's got to be in it. No, right? no, Because they no. just give him. They, no. they keep. For some reason, no. they haven't gotten rid of him. I don't know no. why. But no, he's gotta no, be in it. No, no. I'll bet you he'll be in no. it. No, no. You don't want him to be in it, but no he's gonna be more in it. Lido. Get him out. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had the technology to bring Heath Ledger back, but there's no one else out there. Dude, stop it! Don't even talk about they that technology, because you know once they start computer animating people into movies, yeah. then they will revive all the dead actors. So well, don't even say it. That's what they did in the Looney Tunes movie. All the Looney Tunes characters are, are dead. dead. <laughs> so they're just like 3D projections of them. Oh my god, amazing! That's Tech really what it is. They're soulless computer programs in some server. They don't exist. Who wants to watch this? Not me. Wow, it got really dark. This is what the vision that they decided to put in their trailer. All right, so are know. you going to watch the Batman? I would watch it. It looks cool. I like the way Robert Pattinson looks, how he's got the eye makeup, and he just looks all, like, ruffled. Like, he, he's just having a rough fucking day. He does. He does. And I think he could be a good Batman. I saw the lighthouse. I saw him get nasty and gritty. We know he can go there. Oh, would that be, would be sick if they got those two together? Oh! <gasps> Shut up, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, because Willem Dafoe <gasps> was the Green Goblin, obviously one of the greatest movie comic book movie he villains. villains. And then if you brought him into the Batman universe, <laughs> dude, he would make a great Joker. Oh, He's he got would. that smile, he like a would. weird fucking smile. He's got that villain smile. He's got that villain the voice. voice. We love you, Willem Dafoe. I would. I loved the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. I would take him as the Joker. Yeah, that day. was great. But that Joker, 
He wasn't a suit. He was less of a supervillain and more of he a. Was uh, just, yeah, it was just circumstance and fate. A mentally disturbed cultural icon mm-hmm. is what yes. the Joker, it, Joaquin Phoenix That's was. That's what that movie was talking yes. about, which was cool. But I could see that, ha- you know, coming back as like somebody wants to use him to kind of influence Gotham some way. And then he gets out of control mm. and ends up like almost Ooh. tearing the whole city down. You Ooh. Ooh la la. Because like he's not a super villain really, but he has the power of the image. That's what's cool about him is like. He's basically just like an evil meme. Right. Manifest. Right. 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 <laughs> All right. So, yeah, a couple trailers. Fun to talk about those. Yeah. Want to talk about Judge Dredd? Well, I, I've never seen Judge Dredd. Oh, well, yeah. We were, I wish we had watched the original one. I, I had the idea to do that, but we were just kind of too busy last night. Yeah, we had – we we're busy uh should we be singing our song i don't know i feel like we're so deep in and we we sang a lot of song earlier as well i don't know if it's necessary you can if you want i won't stop you is it good is it bad two person would be fun there we go it's good it's good dread dread is beyond good it's amazing it's awesome it's uh, uh it's everything you could want in a sci-fi action movie the lore is rich the story is like tight. The acting is a plus. The effects, I I'm running out of superlatives here. <laughs> Can you help me out? Uh, so the lore is interesting because we were just talking about the Batman, but Judge Dredd is also a comic book character originally from some graphic novels back in the day. I don't really know much about them, but I know that it is based on the comic books. So that's where all the lore comes from. It's not like, you know, it just all came out of thin air. Somebody actually just managed to capture that in a movie. Right. And I feel like what the movie Dread does is take all the juiciest bits and put them into one delicious feast for the eyes. Yes, for sure. So it takes place in Mega City 1. And basically the world is destroyed. There was some, I think, it's been a long time since I've seen the original, but I think that there was some kind of nuclear or environmental catastrophe which scorched the earth, like made most of the earth like a wasteland. Essentially like a Mad Max-esque type waste that was probably radioactive and definitely no food is growing there. And I think there's people out in the waste, but they're like, like mad max people like right horrible cannibals fucked up shit yeah there's cannibals in the first one okay and basically humans only live now in these crazy huge cities called mega cities and he talks about mega city one how it stretches from new york down to dc yeah and what how many people are in there 800 million some obscene number but yeah you just get these vision these images at the very beginning of the movie with the intro of uh, where Carl Urban <gasps> gives the intro, which is perfect as well because his voice, who he plays Dread, is so good. It's just so gravelly and cool to listen to. And he's like, mega highways, mega blocks, mega, mega city, city one. <laughs> <laughs> America is an irradiated wasteland. 
within Eliza's city. Outside the boundary walls, a desert, a cursed earth. Inside the walls, a cursed city, stretching from Boston to Washington, D.C. An unbroken, concrete landscape. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world and the megastructures of the new one. Mega blocks. Mega highways. Mega City One. It's so great. Anybody who's filmmakers, watch this movie. This is how you do exposition. We're in and we're out. Every single sentence is gripping and rich with lore. There's no filler. And how long is this exposition? It's maybe like two minutes. minutes. And yeah, you get a few scenes of like the chaos of the city that just look like real shit, like real riots or stuff that you would see in a real city. And overlay that with Carl Urban's narration. And yeah, it's like God tier level intro. Seriously. And. Yeah, they really give you an idea of how shitty Mega City 1 is. It's basically all crime. It's like 70% crime, 30% civilians. And Dredd even has this line where we can only respond to 6% of the calls that come in. Right. So they get to basic they the judges get to decide what like what reports of crime that they go to investigate. Judge, jury, executioner. <laughs> And they, um, yeah, he says only 6% get actually even investigated. So it's like the other 94% just are forgotten. Then people just kind of have to take care of it themselves. Right. Which is why there's this huge criminal underground throughout the city, because people have to take care of themselves. They can't depend on the state to take care of them because the state, he, he has a great line in the intro, which is like buck something about like, crumbling under its own weight or something yeah like. yeah yeah and he, and you learn that most people are unemployed because they the place that it takes the place that it takes place in is <laughs> the uh, setting the setting where most of the movie takes place is a mega structure in mega city one called peach trees and they say the population is seventy thousand, and it's basically a huge sky rise that's its own little city. Yeah. It's like and a it giant. Has a, but it has a, he says the unemployment rate is 96%. I missed that. I didn't hear him say that, but that's oh, interesting. Yeah. So most people aren't working official jobs. Most people are committing crime, essentially. Yeah. And that, yeah. So it's a giant square shaped structure with a hole in the middle. Yeah. Like an apartment building that just stretches up and up and up. And, yeah, it's like a city. It essentially has shops and restaurants. A mall. And, yeah, a, like a, a hospital and everything in the one building. And, um, of course, it's overrun by gangs. Right. But these this intro to this movie, it just really, really puts you into Mega City. Yes. It makes you, f you feel oppressed. And you can imagine what it must be like to live your life in this horrible dystopian dystopian future yeah well we can have a discussion about this later about police brutality and 
you know, whether or not it's mitigated. Because I was thinking about that as we were watching this. But Judge Dredd is awesome. He's well, a do badass. You think Judge, do you think Judge Dredd is a good character? Like, morally good? Morally good? No, I think he enjoys his job a little too much. That's why he's so good at it. But I love him. I don't, like... I love the Judge Dredd character. I love this kind of... You think he's good and that he's a good character, but you don't think that he's morally good? No, I don't think he's morally good. Yeah, well, I he's, mean... It seems more like, you know, he he loves... I don't know if he loves murder. It kind of seems like he loves murder, and he just so happened to be put into the the justice program, and he excelled at it because... That's what he likes to do. And I think that because he is so lighthearted about everything in the movie, he's always cracking jokes left and right, no matter what. I think to the audience, a lot of that stuff is funny because it's so deadpan. But to Judge Dredd, I don't think he's really joking a lot. No. I think that's just the way that he thinks. Really? Yeah. So he's like a computer program almost. Uh, He... I, I totally agree with what you said about him liking murder, him <laughs> liking to be in control right. and to be the one with the power and to be able to get away with it. Right, because you see it in the very first chase scene. He he follows them for a while and he doesn't do anything until the moment they shoot at him. And then he's like, well, here I go murdering again. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't request for backup. He no. just waits for the moment that he can murder them. Yeah, he within wants the, law. the chance to take them out himself. Yes. Uh but you also have to consider the environment in which he exists. The uh, the line which one of the judges later on says, which is that Mega City 1 is not a city, it's a meat grinder. Right. People but- go in one end and meat comes out the other, which I really love this line because then you're like, yeah, it, it seems is. like that. I guess you don't really. It doesn't. I can't really judge you for being a corrupt judge. Right. So. Right. Because you get the sense that Judge Dredd, he's a product of the city. 20 years I've been on the streets. You know what Mega City One is, Dredd? It's a fucking meat grinder. People go in one end. meat comes out the other right and you know it's like he is the law but why is he the law because he enjoys violence and he enjoys inflicting violence on others so in the same way that the other judge is corrupt judge dread may act like he is the embodiment of this ideal of law but really he's just a person that likes to kill people at the very deepest level right and he just happened to be recruited into the justice department because they say in the movie that i forget what age at like eight or nine years old every single person takes an aptitude test and if they pass they get scooped away by the justice department i think they were talking about weren't they talking about orphans at that point oh were they i I thought it maybe it's everybody everybody. if you've seen the original judge dread you might have some bet more backstory about the character of Dredd. I don't know how much the original Judge Dredd is inspired by the real lore, but in the original, Judge Dredd is a sort of, he's like a test tube 
thing that was made to be like the perfect judge. Oh, so okay, so this is interesting because in the movie, in the very beginning, Judge Dredd gets introduced to a rookie who right. will follow him around, and we very oh. I'm sorry, people. Spoiler warning. Also, I'm sorry. We didn't put a spoiler warning on the last episode, but if you've been listening and you've made it how this far. How are we going to talk about a movie And here's the thing. You it. can see how long the podcast is. So if you think <laughs> we can talk about a movie for two hours without any spoilers, then you're giving us way more credit than we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Dread. So as I was saying, you were saying that the original Judge Dread was a test tube to be the perfect judge. And in this movie, there's a scene where he meets his new, um, his new Not really rookie. his partner, but his he is going to assess her viability as a judge because she is a rookie, but she kind of like just barely failed all of her tests and stuff. So they're throwing her in the deep end, sink or swim. She's gonna go out for a day with Judge Dredd, and he's gonna evaluate whether she can become a judge or not. I want you to take her out, give her one day in the field, supervised, see if she makes a grade. Sink or swim, chuck her in the deep end. It's all the deep end. Right, and why? Why are they giving her a special pass? Because even Judge Dredd says a fail is a fail. She right. failed by three percent, basically. Mm-hmm. So why are they giving her a pass? So she comes from a district of Mega City One, which is near the radiation walls. And this is the thing that's so good in this movie. They don't tell you about anything. They just say shit. And then you're like, oh, 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 oh. You just keep hearing these little phrases about Mega City One. And then you're it just expands the the whole setting just from these little ideas that you pick up on if you're paying attention and it makes the world feel so full and that's one of them so he's like oh yeah she's from this district she's got radiation and there's this new thing called psychics or they have a name for it right i don't remember what i they don't call remember it the, movie, the but, name but then another character later on is like oh most of you mutated freaks have like three stubby arms or no arms at all but you fit together really nice so i guess there's like more more of this stuff going on like it must be in the news in mega city one that right like, psychics a mutant, exist mutant community right things but, like that but she looks totally normal but she's the most powerful psychic they've ever experienced i love a psychic trope i love when it's done well and a psychic that's set in a realistic setting i love it i love the little bit of fantasy the little bit of magic thrown into a Re- otherwise realistic setting right. i definitely go bonkers for well that. you know you have to think that this world is in such a future where the science to us seems like magic but you can believe it because it's the world that they live in well the it's mostly normal technology it's just bigger and stronger and that's one of the things in this movie it's like humans haven't really been saved by technology if anything they've been doomed by it right because they're just trapped within these like gigantic structures that are essentially prisons yeah it's very this movie is very claustrophobic from mega city one to peach trees it's the feeling of claustrophobia is very strong from the get-go yeah because you know we love nature we love going on hikes we love looking at the bugs and the birds and the bees and there's no nature movie there's no nature. It's only concrete and wires and metal. Mm. Right. So they're really, I don't think you see any plants or animals. No. 
or there's any no life any form of nature in this movie whatsoever this Not is even a even like any pets or any animals at all no really. and maybe that's another comment on human because this is a purely human movie every every form of life in this movie is human and every structure and structure is man-made and look how terrible everybody's lives are yeah so perhaps that's a it makes me think of an old idea which is that the original cities like the first cities in uh the history of mankind were like prisons for people Ew. like imagine if you're a warlord or a king or a pharaoh or whatever and you just need somewhere to keep all of your people that you control to make sure that you could make like make them do whatever you want at a moment's notice you would have to build a city somewhere to house all of your people and it's that's kind of what Mega City One feels like. It's just a giant prison for human beings to keep them in under control. But I think it's more than that. I don't think it's just a prison. It's the only place humans can live. Right. It's not like somebody set it up that way, but that's just what it ended up being because human beings, they they long for freedom. The, the human spirit requires freedom, but in Mega City One, there is no latitude for freedom because... If you give that many people freedom in such a small space, it all goes to shit, which is what is happening right now, which is why the judges get created because you have to have these entities which are just like avatars of law that can just strike down freedom wherever they see it kind of cropping up, but, you know. You know, the freedoms people take are I want to murder and steal. Well, whenever the system is not taking care of, is not aligned with the with the natural inclinations of the human spirit you can't exactly be like well that's not morally right to go out and form a gang right but, but, but a gang is just a it's just like an in, an interest group we're gonna bind together and try to take care of each oh other my gosh. but i think the problem is isn't necessarily they don't have a choice it's not and spoilers for the movie the village it's not like a the village situation where they think they're trapped and isolated in this place and then they leave and oh there actually is a world outside if the people left there's no world outside there's only death well there might be a world outside but it's probably not it's not any better than mega city one no and but uh there's like the scene in the movie where the psychic hesitates to kill this guy who's like basically already dead but he's still alive he got shot a bunch and he's about to die and then judge dread's like oh attempting to kill a judge sentences death like past the sentence rookie and then he shoot she shoots him and then later on she confronts the 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 woman who's his wife and she's like fuck like that was just basically a normal guy but he wasn't he was still kind yeah, of yeah he was caught up in all this gang shit but he was basically just like a normal guy like he didn't have any other choice is the thing the system kind of drove him towards that like we're caught up we're not totally responsible for the situation we find ourselves in ultimately yeah that's true that's but that's, that's one of the things that makes mega city one so fascinating it's like when a world is so fucked up crime becomes inevitable to kind of even to survive to a point right so you're saying that these people in the gangs they have to be in gangs because that is the Maybe. they I feel so. that is the best route for them to life to live but then the judges... Well, sometimes the only route. The judges have to be so brutal and black and white with their justice because of the crimes that are being committed. Right. So everybody has 
to do what they do because of the way things are. Yeah. But who made things the way they are? I, we don't know that exactly. in this world. Everybody's so we can't just caught up in it, and right. nobody has the power to change it. And that's why the phrase about the meat grinder is so powerful. It's like, Mega City 1 is what it is, and nobody can change it. Not the judges, not the gangs. It is what it is, and that's what makes it so fascinating right. and to they, watch these characters living there. Right, and we don't get into why Mega City 1 is the way it is. We don't right. see... We don't see the big corporations exploiting workers or killing the planet. We don't see, oh, World War Three happened. Right. And we get more of that in the original because there's like a council of like, they're not judges. I forget what they're called, but there's a council of older guys, I think, who used to be judges. Uh. And they kind of command the judges what to do. And one of them is super corrupt and wants to kind of like wipe out half the population or something and then he 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 releases judge dread's like brother who was like a failed experiment Ew. from prison oh that sounds and cool. then he takes over and uh yeah so there's more of the kind of like ruling structure of meg the mega cities at play in that movie but you don't get anything of that in this you know i just realized i never finished my thought earlier about the rookie and the test tube Okay, so we're coming the whole way back to when I... Okay, yeah, so we were talking about the, how the when the rookie's reading J Dredd's mind. Right, so as you said, in the original, he was a test tube, test tube experiment, perfect judge thing. So in this one, the rookie is, um, she's kind of being put a test through a test to prove herself to Judge Dredd right. as a psychic. So she's sitting there in this room with a two-way mirror and she can't see judge dread but the i don't know who's the lady she like the head judge or something she's just kind of, yeah kind of like an internal affairs person she's, she's or an, maybe she, somebody who's the head of the academy that's in yeah, charge of like maybe a commissioner new judges commissioner gordon type character who's always who's in all the yeah. know and everything some kind of officer yeah like some kind of head officer and so Anderson, the rookie, starts reading Judge Dredd's mind, and she says, there's anger but control, but something else behind it, something almost, and then the lady cuts her off. Right. So what do you think she was going to say? I always thought she was going to say something almost animal, but maybe something almost technological or manufactured or artificial i don't know yeah so i think it's it would be something like that like robotic yeah something manufactured or something robotic uh, something artificial or some yeah because in the movie in the movie judge dread with sylvester stallone he has like a picture of his old family that you know was killed or something and gives him that anger but then it's throughout the movie it's realized that that picture isn't even real like spoiler alert <laughs> i've never seen the original dread well, we're talking about it oh my god it's not a good movie but <laughs> okay anyway so then he figures out that he was lied to and created and used to you know be the perfect judge uh, so you think in this one judge dread doesn't know that he's manufactured i don't know if he even is i really because wanna... i don't know what the real i don't know what the true lore of the comic book is and i don't know what 
the vision relative to the true lore is of this director so well i really want to read the comic now because as we were saying they drop terms in there that you if you're listening you can figure out what it means but they don't take time explaining what it is such as the radiation wall or the meat wagon right or the iso cubes because whenever recycle recycle yeah so with dead bodies they send them to recycle what is that we can only imagine something where they recycled the dead bodies what do they they recycle recycle them them into and like how what does the process look like do they just throw them all in like a literal giant body grinder that just pumps out this like gross pink slime of like biomaterial or is somebody cutting them up and taking all their organs and putting all the eyes together in the the big eye factory or some shit it's crazy yeah to imagine what is going on but all you need to know is that the dead bodies are being recycled somewhere that's that's enough and it's it's kind of fun to think about what my well fun yeah well it just it, it it stimulates that part of your mind which wants to explore the world and wants to know more and wants to figure out what are the underlying systems and structures that drive mega city one right they that's what this movie does really well is it makes you hungry for more also the iso cubes when people commit crimes they go to the iso cubes what is an iso cube i can picture what it might look like in my head but but it's probably you probably can't picture just how horrible they are because if the situation outside is so horrible you can't imagine they're devoting a whole lot of resources to taking care of the criminals and the <laughs> right right so you know we call the city a prison imagine what the prison within the prison looks <laughs> exactly, like exactly exactly it probably really is just a cube where you sit down and they feed you nutrients intravenously and you can't move or go anywhere or do anything yeah well, they probably don't do it intravenously but they just like drop like that like the stuff from from Snowpiercer. Oh. The like nutrient block. The that nutrient they get blocks, yeah. That's like made Don't, out of Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler okay. alert for <laughs> so Snowpiercer. We'll but I imagine it to be something like that. And yeah, just basically a nondescript room. But then they probably torture you and try to get you to do some kind of like mental fuckery with well, you. Well, I don't think they try to in the ISO cube. I probably. Think the, I think that being in the ISO cube is enough torture because imagine being in a space so small that you can't lay down, but you can't stand up. And that is your life. Well, they probably try to do some like brainwashing, too, though. I don't think so, because the brainwashing would just comfort you. I, I don't think well, they, they want, put the time and energy into that. You're going to go into ISO cube and you're going to come out. They probably they're want to make worried. you into a better citizen. No, they're not worried about rehab. It's all punishment. That's why Judge Dredd just murders people. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, that's why murder is like... We don't know, even mo- do... A lot of crimes <laughs> are just like, yeah, just murder them. We don't even do murder. We don't even do rehab for criminals in today's society most of the time. Do you think they're going to no, do them no, in the future? that's true. But if you had the proper technology... But that's the thing rehabilitating someone in a way which is morally uh acceptable is really fucking hard well yeah it takes a lot of effort time and money and nobody wants right. to do that but even if though you could do it by just like, like mind raping someone then you, and you don't care about the morals that's the thing like if you have the technology to mind rape someone and turn them into somebody they're not maybe you do it but I don't know if we have. I mean, we know we ha- they have the technology to get information out of people, but we don't know if they have the technology to actually change someone. Right. 
but this is nothing. We're just hypothetically thinking about what the Isa cubes might be. Right. But that's what makes this movie so fun is they introduce these really cool sounding concepts enough that you can imagine what they might be, but not so much that they spell it out for you. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we haven't done this yet. And now it's your turn. I award you two sentences to tell us what is the plot of Dread. Okay. In a a post-apocalyptic future where the Hall of Justice imbues its officers with complete authority in dispensing of said justice... I think you're trying to be a little too flowery. Just tell us <laughs> what happens in the movie. Okay. Uh, a legendary judge takes on a... Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. A legendary judge <laughs> and a rookie with psychic powers take on a violent gang of criminals led by the sadistic overlord, Mama. All right, so let's go. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, basically, Judge Dredd is taking a rookie out for her final test to see if she'll be a judge. And they end up in a pressure cooker situation when they respond to a simple murder and discover an entire drug manufacturing ring. Yeah, that's the thing about this movie is it evolves in a way that feels natural. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is, oh, my God, if you can do that in your story, oh, man in the case of the vapor it's good <laughs> yeah because it doesn't seem like a movie it just seems like these characters in the world and they're just going about what they would normally do and you're just there along for the ride absolutely and i really hate the a theme that happens a lot in action movies nowadays where it needs the the problem needs to be something that puts the world at threat yes yes and i'm sure that that's you know, it's like what's going on with Space Jam. It has to be amped up to one billion. It can't just be what it is. Right. And to me, that's just lazy writing because they're like, how can we make the stakes higher? Well, what's higher than the entire world? Oh, exactly. we got to save it. What's higher than the Looney Tunes? The, all the characters of all the movies and all the things of ever. All the cartoons ever. Yes, right. yes, yes. But this movie, they don't do that. It's, I mean... It's peach trees, as we said. Peach trees is basically a city, so that it are that's the stakes. Right. But the way it's done, you are very concerned. You are very engaged. You need to know what's going to happen. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we tried to lay out the plot in a couple sentences. But what really happens? Right. So Judge Dredd takes the rookie to peach trees. Uh, they get caught up in what seems to be a kind of petty squabble. They take try to take one of the gang members out. To yeah. Peachtrees. Well, they figure out they find the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. He Judge Dredd realizes that they were using drugs and they figure out where the drugs were bought. So they go to this room. They murder some people. Well, murder. They they uh, they execute. Judge. They judge, they some, judge people. some people. Some people get sent to the ISO cubes. But one of the people they capture is one of Mama's head honchos. And he knows he knows the truth about what's happening at Peachtree's. And at this point, Judge Dredd and Anderson don't know that this is the distribution and production center of slow-mo. Yes. So when Mama discovers that this henchman has been captured and not murdered, 
she shuts down the entirety of peach trees and has this announcement where she sends out everyone in her gang or just anyone to yeah, go murder the judge just a an apb out on the judge kill him or you know we're never this whole place is fucked because you're all locked down she engages this like war protocol where all the windows and all the doors get shut by these giant blast walls right so essentially judge dread and anderson are trapped in peach trees filled with seventy thousand people most of whom are in mama's army and they have to fight their way well we think they're gonna fight their way out but then at one point judge dread says we're gonna go get mama <laughs> well she he again like gives it to anderson as a choice like well it's your call and mama's guilty what we do is punish the guilty what are the options anderson keep moving and attempt to avoid further detection or find a place to defend same as before except now we know backups inbound you're giving us two options defend or hide yes sir what about we attack head straight for mama is that an option well she's guilty we're judges so with backup inbound i think we should wait until the odds have shifted in our favor Wrong answer. You're the psychic. And so, yeah, eventually it kind of just turns into, you know, what are they going to do? They're trapped in here. They might as well just go get Mama. So that's kind of what it ends up being. But basically the rest of the movie is just a fight between Mama and her clans, Dredd and Anderson. And um, but but then there's a point towards the end of the movie, like the third act, which begins when Mama's like, uses basically everything she has and didn't even put a scratch on dread and she's like call 911. Okay, so we're talking about how it uh builds up. Yeah, so it builds really naturally because you get the first scene of judge just judge dread being judge dread, which is awesome. Then you get judge dread picks up his rookie partner. They decide on a whim to go to peach trees. Well, what happens is he tells her about, oh, only 6% of crimes are responded to. So she says, well, what are we responding to? And he says, your call, rookie. Yeah, which I, oh, I love that. Dredd's that- whole attitude towards the rookie in this movie is just so fun to watch because Judge Dredd is the ultimate, <laughs> he is a killing machine. Uh, he doesn't have really a whole lot of emotion. He's just thinking about, okay, this He's like a tactical genius and has no qualms about killing. So he's just like, okay, like it doesn't matter what where you take me, rookie. Like I'm gonna be fine, but I'm gonna test your viability <laughs> as a judge. Right. So go ahead, line it up. What do you want to do? Call it, sir. You're on assessment, rookie. Call it. Multiple armed targets, obstructed line of sight, gas grenades, respirators. Advise you hold your breath. Right, and that is a common thing throughout the movie is every time they're in a situation and she's freaking out, she he says, what do you want to do? Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. <laughs> so good. He doesn't really care and about, ma- like, the scene where she he's talking to her about why you want to be a judge. She's like, I want to make a difference. And he's like, admirable. Right, and I love that he takes the testing so seriously, even though the situation they got themselves in is way over right. their heads. He thinks the testing, <laughs> that's what he's doing today, is is, is evaluating yeah. her <laughs> yeah. as a rookie. Like He doesn't really even care about 
the citizens of peach trees or like he just knows that there's bad guys and he wants to take them down right and you know the situation they get in so they respond to this call which is some dead bodies he asks her what do you think it is and she says oh they're trying to make an example of these dead guys and he says correct so and they they are correct because we see mama who's played by lena hetty you know enact these murders yeah and let's talk a little bit about um the the slow-mo drug uh so that's a big part of this movie is there is a drug called slow-mo and it's being manufactured in peach trees under the gang of mama and slow-mo is a drug that makes you experience time at one one hundredth of a second and it's sort of new in the city but it is taking off Mm -hmm. everybody loved the slow-mo so what do you think about the slow-mo like the what it brings to the movie what do you think about it i think it's really cool i think the slow-mo scenes are really awesome it's especially when you get the violent scenes because it really uh, it makes the violent very uh violence very um i don't want to say beautiful but well there is a certain beauty well to all the slow-mo scenes there's a beauty but then in the scenes especially the scene where they their first combat in peach trees where they kind of like blow the door down and just start shooting people inside um we get these scenes of the bullets just like rippling into flesh and there's one scene where it shoots through the guy's jaw and bursts out the other side and you get the skin and the blood and the oh it's fucking gross but at the same time there is this beauty to it it's very artistic because it's so slow and you see every detail but i feel it's not animated or it's not done gorily it's done almost comic booky. I think it the is. The blood is yeah. so bright red and there's a little bit of sparkle and ethereal glow to everything because because of the slow-mo. Yeah. But all those shots are intercut with a normal speed of dread just ka 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 ka. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the idea of the slow-mo as a device was made to kind of suit this idea that like it's hard to shoot action scenes in a way where the viewer can really see what's happening. Yes, I agree. In a comic book, it's easy because you just have a frame. It doesn't move. You can show exactly what you want at exactly the speed that you want. But in a movie, you can't really do that. No. And you... So you end up getting like jumpy cuts or like really awkward fights where you can't really tell what's happening right and they just try to make you think you can see what you what's happening but you don't really right unless you have a single shot where you can clearly see what's happening it's really hard to tell where everybody is who's shooting who a movie that is excellent at the single shot is old boy I was going to say old, not old boy, but I was thinking about old boy the original old boy not the remake right and um, John Wick yes John Wick, everything is clean and clear in the way it's shot. You get to see all of Keanu Reeves' little motions. and Right, right. And in this, I think that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that. But using the slow-mo as a device to show what's actually happening in the action scenes is kind of genius. Yeah. And it really makes the scenes very dramatic because we have a couple of scenes where people get thrown out of buildings on slow-mo yeah yeah and 
the the final scene where Lena Headey like her her face meets the concrete after falling like a hundred stories. Um, it's just something else. Yeah, it's so nasty, but you can't look away. Yeah, and I I think it is really gory, but uh, yeah, it's just it's really cool to watch. I've never seen anything like it in any other movie. Right. So uh, I, I think, think it was done so well. Whoever did the visual effects of the slow mo scenes, a plus, a plus, because it it just the the way they do the music and the sound and the little twinkling lights on everything and like especially that scene where Lena Headey gets pushed off by Dread and she looks back and there's the glass all floating around and Dread's there with like his hand that just pushed her out and he like slowly turns back away. It's just, there's something so beautiful about it. Well, I was thinking more of the scene where she was in the bathtub and she like lifts, she splashes in the water and we see all the little droplets and each one contains a world of sparkle and light and it's, yeah, it's very masterfully done. It makes you feel a little bit like you've taken some slow-mo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They crushed it. They, they crushed it, absolutely. So I think the slow-mo was a great device in this movie. For sure, for sure. What did you think about Mama? So Mama is a great character. And I always think about that line with that the <laughs> the one medical guy says, like, oh, she she feminized the guy with her teeth. Yeah, that's so gross. So Mama's backstory is she used to be a prostitute, but then her pimp sliced her up, and so she decided to feminize him with her teeth and basically took over all his assets, over all his gangs. And what do they say? Violence is her... Her M.O. or something. Yeah, violence is her M.O. She is... I think she's insane. I think she's brilliant, but insane, because she just doesn't give a shit. She doesn't... She doesn't uh, live by the same rules that people in our world, or even people in that world, live in. Anyone else, you'd say it was bullshit, right? Not with Mama. Her trademark is violence. Every ans- her answer to every situation is violence, essentially. I think that she's a perfect foil for Dread because there's this really cool like mirroring between Dread and Mama where uh, they both give speeches to peach trees. Yeah. Telling everybody like <laughs> basically <laughs> if you're not on my my side, then like I'm taking you down. Right, right. Because Mama has her speech where she says, the judge is here. I want him dead. If you're found helping him, I'll murder you and your next of generation. Right. And then – you know, but it's not like a rouse. She's very calm when she gives the speech. It's yeah. very like peach, peach trees. trees. This is mama. This is mama. But then later, after uh, later, Anderson gets kidnapped. Judge Dredd is on his own. So he gives Peach Tree a little speech. That's so good. Yeah. It's so good. We'll put that in later. Yeah. Put that in. I'm evidence of Peach Trees. This is Judge Dredd. In case you people have forgotten. And and it's the kind of mirroring in between the two of them, which is like we talked about the character of Dread and how if you strip away the veneer of law, he's 
sort of like a killing machine or like a, right. a, a violence machine. Right. And he's and, good at it. And he's he's perfect at it. Uh, but in the same way, Mama is is the is that too, in that she's very good at applying violence in order to get what she wants, but she is on the outside of the law. Right. She she didn't like dread. <laughs> dread uses the law in order to, to get what he wants. He well he he uses the law to end the situation because the law is perfectly in alignment with who he is as a person. He wants to be able to end these situations with violence and to just destroy, just murder, just kill white people off the face of the earth because they don't, you know, fit in with the system, right? There's no right. there's no gray within. It's just like, okay, well that that aligns with the law, so I'm just going to wipe you out. And Mama is the same way, but th- but she is uh, she is not the embodiment of the law. She's more of that. Right. You know, she like, is the uh, she's the outlaw. Right. Basically, they are the ultimate archetypes of each of their own. Uh, what do you call it? Factions. Yeah. So Judge Dredd is the ultimate judge, mm-hmm. and Mama is the ultimate criminal. Yeah. And so basically this movie is them facing off. Whereas Mama has an entire army of gangsters and all Dredd has is himself and the rookie. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the thing because there are scenes in the movie where you really get the sense that like they are kind of like foils for each other, but that Mama is nothing compared to Dredd. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a scene where Mama basically throws everything she has at Dredd, gets these giant mini guns and just just mows down an entire floor of peach trees trying to kill him and she's like she feels this satisfaction like yeah i'm in charge yeah there's no way there's no way he could have withstood this and then there's like some time in between and then uh there's some sounds of gunfire and mama's sitting there okay well what happens is you know she guns down the whole floor and the her her henchman one of her her top henchmen says well, he could have never survived that. And she says, oh, I want to see the body. So the top henchman and some of his goons go looking for him. She hears gunfire. And then so they're across from each other with this hole. Because there's a big there's like a big hole in the middle of the building. So they're on opposite um, like balconies. Right. So Mama's on one side and then on the other side, it's like the clouds of destruction. Yeah. And And fires and smoke. and (laughs) stuff. And And so we hear the gunshots and then we hear some running and out of the clouds comes Judge Dredd with the main henchman and just woof tosses him right over the edge and then he just struts struts back into the the, the the clouds. Yeah. And Mama's just looking at him. And then you get this cool shot where it just kind of like, just like zooms out really quick. Just like cuts to a zoomed out version of Mama. And all of a sudden she just looks so small. And you get the sense that, you know, while Mama may be similar to Dredd in that she just, she loves using violence to get what she wants. Dredd is a, is a product of the entirety of Mega City 1. The violence and the shit that he has seen and like his purpose as a judge is so much more potent than what Mama is as a person, which is just like a kind of greedy, psychopathic, violent, instinctual animal. Judge is like the most sharpened, honed version of what Mama could ever hope to be. 
and you get the sense with this shot where it zooms out and all of a sudden mama is so small compared to what dread is that it just like clicks that right. dread is just way beyond yes her. well that's the thing mama has an army but dread is an army <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're a piece of work dread And so am I. All right, so we talked about the plot. We talked about Dread. We talked about you know, Mega City 1. We talked about Mama a little bit. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, let's talk about the other judges. Talk about slow-mo. Yeah, the other judges. So, so I love the look of the judges in this movie and just how they're kind. They're just so big and so they have such a commanding presence. Yeah, and I love that they wear the helmet so we can't see their faces. So they are less human, almost. Yeah, they're more like superheroes. They're masked. And so after the scene, you were just saying how Mama got made to be so small in comparison to to Judge Dredd's might. So at this point, Judge Dredd has foiled every single force Mama has sent at him. And so she's with her tech guy. I What do you think about the tech guy real quick? Um, he's fine. Do you know that actor played the main guy in Deus Ex Machina? Yeah. I've seen yeah. him in some other stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, He's all right. I mean... I kind of like the tech guy. I always feel bad for him. Yeah, I'm yeah. Something... It's so creepy. I never really noticed how Mama is just literally threatening his life every single time he she wants him to do something. Right. Well, that's why, in the end, they let the tech guy go because... Well, the psychic and, does. Yeah, Anderson says he was a victim. And there's little little details, some not-so-little details you see, such as Mama gouging his eyes out. Yeah, like... Yeah, gouging his eyes out, replacing them with tech eyes. They call him the clan techie. And you kind of realize that, yeah, he's definitely just a prisoner who was recruited for his skills. And I thought it was kind of, like, sad and sweet. You see him making little animals out of wire because you feel like that's the only yeah, thing he can like do to entertain himself because he's literally trapped in front of these computers. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, every scene he's in it, Mama is threatening him because yeah. he's the one that makes things happen he's the one that gets the well he's the, the one that interfaces between peach trees and like the outside world so he kind of functions as a protective buffer for the clans uh for like mama's clan in that he protects them from more people coming to he's the peach like, trees he's like the nord vpn of peach trees yeah basically <laughs> he like deflects all because because the, the the battle shields stop dread from being able to call for help and then like the he fakes this thing where he can put up the battle shields of the thing without raising alarms and it, it's all kind of like just a device to make sure that it's that dread never gets any backup right and it but it, within the movie it seems to make sense right Sector control Sector control. This is Peachtree's control. I just want to check you were notified about the DEFCON systems test today. Copy that. Uh, Peachtree's, we don't have you down for a DEFCON test. Yeah, we must be. If you check the, uh... It... I've got nothing. God fucking damn it, Sector! I, I put in the notification myself three fucking times! I, we are good to go right now. I've got my supervisor breathing down my neck. Hold fire, Peachtree's. Let me get on this. And there's this one scene where he's talking to the real judges, 
And Mama just has this knife stuck into his belly, not quite cutting. Yeah, like but, in his uh, belly button, this like claw knife thing. Oh, it's so horrible. That it mo- she knows that that's what'll motivate him. Yeah, she's a good motivator. Oh yeah, she's a good mama. Is a great <laughs> motivator. But anyway, so Mama, the tech guy says, "What do we do now?" And Mama says, "Call nine one one." Yeah, and then you get this shot of like four judges on their bikes cruising down a highway. And the, the music comes in. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So they Whoa. get there. Because there's some already some judges waiting outside. <laughs> this is actually a really great scene. Because they immediately start shit-talking the two real judges who are there. And they say, let's see if we can get these blast shields open. So, of course, they're able to get them open immediately. And they walk by saying, you're relieved. Yeah. So the, the two real judges who are supposed to come and help get relieved by these four corrupt judges that Mama called in to, to counteract Dread. I wonder, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious from the get-go that they're corrupt. But then there's a really great yeah. scene where they come inside and the medical guy comes in. And we're kind of excited because medical guy, he was around before. And Judge Dread went to go seek sanctuary in the medical place. And the medical guy says, I'm neutral ground. You can't come in here. Yeah. And he's like, neutral, you're taking sides. Because he, if he was really neutral, he would allow both sides into his place. But really, right. he's, he's not taking Judge Dreaded because he doesn't want to get on Mama's bad side. Exactly, exactly. So medical guy who was before a coward comes out. He talks to the judges. He tells them everything that's going on. And the judge says... So you hear them like talking about the situation that they're going to lay out. Because mm-hmm. they've already got this frame-up idea in mind of how they're going to frame the death of the judges so that nobody discovers what's really happening in peach trees and so they're discussing how they're going to frame it up and then the doc guy comes out and he's like no that's not what happened because he thinks they're talking about what happened before right right and then he they're like oh you testify to that of course shoots him in the head and that's when you get the for sure that these guys are dirty but it's pretty obvious from the get-go that like from the call 911 and then the cut to them but uh yeah so the idea that there's now there's dirty judges like these things that are supposed to be these idealized weapons of justice but now that even those are corrupt now it's like oh my god holy shit how are they gonna get out of this and it's cool because they know who judge dread is and there's another cool interaction between the corrupt judges and mama they say one million credits and she says that's a bit much for one judge and he's all do you know who the judge is no i do one million credits Mm, yeah so you get the sense that judge dread has a bit of a reputation about him oh definitely especially the scene right before like when judge dread finally gets taken out by the one judge uh well he gets shot and he's wounded and the judge is about to kill him and there's just this really awesome interaction where Judge Dredd is like, wait. And the guy's like, wait? The Judge Dredd <laughs> finally gets on the wrong end of a gun. And what does he say? Wait? Wait for what? Wait for me to change my mind so that you can live for another pathetic moment or something like that? And then, of course, you know. The judge- rookie comes in, <laughs> yeah. shoots him from behind. He's dead. Yeah. Wait for her to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you get the sense that everybody knows who Judge Dredd is, and he's like the best of the best. Yeah, judges, he's a legend. Yeah, but I love I love the Judge Gun. Okay, let's <gasps> talk about the Judge Gun. What for is, a second. is there a name for the Judge Gun? Uh, there is. I don't remember what it's called. Okay, keep talking. I'll look it up. But the 
in the original Judge Dredd movie with Sylvester Stallone, it's basically the same. It's called The Lawgiver. The Lawgiver. <laughs> it's essentially exactly the same, which is cool because you would think that they would have made some substantial changes since so much in terms of the vision change, but it's essentially the same gun, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it's got all the different rounds. What are the different rounds? That it has? Um, we have a Hot Shot. Hot Shot. Egg. High X. High X. Uh, armor piercing. Armor piercing. I forget. But did, did, was the gas grenade in the gun, or was that? I think that was in his wrist. But you know what I really liked about the gun? It gave me hardcore video game vibes, because there's a little screen on the gun, and you you know he can swip swap through. Well, it's each verbal of the commanded. Ah, uh, like yeah. You just say what you want. Right. And it comes up and it'll say like, oh, low ammo or no ammo on it. Right, and so it felt very much like a video game yeah. HUD or something. Yeah. Rapid fire. Incendiary. Armor piercing. Pyrex. Motherfucker. And it's so cool because, like, in the original movie, there's another scene like like the one in the in this one where the guy tries to pick up the gun, but it's not his gun. <sighs> I love that. I love that. And yeah, I love that that it's like a DNA matched gun that will only fire if it's the actual person who's using it tries to shoot it. Otherwise, it'll explode and kill you. Oh, it's such a good gun. And like the fact that the viewer, if you're familiar with Judge Dredd at all, you know that. So you, whenever the the criminal, the black criminal guy picks up the gun and is going to use it to kill Anderson. And Anderson knows this, so she, like, makes some smart quip because she knows the guy's about to kill himself. But if you don't know about Dread, you don't really know that that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I love it. Well, there's actually uh, – I'm glad you brought up about the the black guy gonna, going to shoot the girl, the homegirl, because um, she apparently implants that image into his head when they have a little mind battle earlier. You see an image of him using the dread gun. So then later when he goes to kill her, it's almost as if he can't resist the dread gun because he's already thought about it. Oh, that gun that he uses to shoot at her is actually the lawgiver? Yeah. Did you look that up? or is Yeah, that... it was in the IMDb trivia. Okay. That's cool, though. I mean, I didn't even think about that, but maybe even at that moment when he actually picks it up, she's, like, doing some fu mind fuckery on him that he doesn't even notice. Yeah. But maybe it was just that it was already implanted. Right, That's right. That's cool to He's sort of, he's been a little bit brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and, and there was another thing I thought about with the Anderson character is that, like, she's, we didn't really talk that much about her, but she's she's a pretty stereotypical kind of, like, uh, rookie who cares maybe a bit more than she should. Right. She has a little bit of naivete about her, you know, still believing in good and doing the right thing. And and they, the, the judges want to use her basically just to use her ability to read people's minds to get good intel on the criminals so that they can, you know, crush them. But she thinks that she can make a difference even though the people above her really only want to use her to like inflict violence better <laughs> <laughs> but but in the end she gets corrupted a little bit because she has to kill that guy who she kind of felt was innocent but she ignores her her mind read on that guy mm. and ends up killing him anyway 
but then in the end she also gets to save that techie guy who she could tell was innocent but but any other judge would have sentenced him to like life in the iso cube right exactly and you see uh, well that's something i like is you see her develop you actually feel her grow and the growth feels natural Mm -hmm. so at the end of the movie uh when well at the beginning of the movie they're about to go into peach trees and he says ready yeah are you ready yes Yes. i am you don't look ready right so then at the very end of the movie when they're about to bust into mama's he says ready she says yeah you look ready yeah and he she she is really smart and she knows exactly what's going on so like whenever they're talking at the end and you know uh he, he she lets the she lets the techie guy go and she's like he says oh well that's disregarding justice or something like that's against the law and she's like well you i already lost my main weapon so that's going to be an automatic fail i'm not going to be a judge so i might as well just try to do whatever little bit of difference i can while i have the power and right now i'm still acting judge so i i have the power to dispense justice as i see fit so like let's go get this over with yourself rookie betting a felon is not just a fail offense it's a crime i already picked up the fail when i lost my primary weapon I'm not going to be a judge, and I don't need to be a mind reader to know it. He's a victim, not a perp, and until my assessment is formally over, I'm still entitled to dispense justice, and that's what I just did by letting him go. I figured I'll be the one difference I do make. So it's really cool, because, like, she kind of one-ups Dredd at that moment. Yes, it's so good. Well, you see, she finally is confident in herself exactly. and the decisions that exactly. she's making. She doesn't need to question what she's doing because she knows she's doing the right thing. Yes. She doesn't need Dredd's approval. Mm-hmm. And that's when you see that she really has become a judge in her own right because she's ready to dispense her own brand of justice just like Dredd does. But, you know, maybe she does have the potential to make a difference make a difference because she can she can tell whether people actually deserve to be murdered or sentenced to the iso cubes and whether they actually have a good heart and are just corrupted by this horrible meat grinder they happen to find themselves in right exactly so she's kind of like the ray of hope in the movie yeah and a movie that is very dark and depressing and dystopian she is the ray of hope for the future which maybe you could say there's some kind of metaphorical thing about her being a mutant and it's the next stage of evolution for humanity and maybe maybe we're not hopeless after all or whatever. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I there's think definitely, I just, there's definitely they... some hope in the movie at the end when they finally get out and, you know, Judge Dredd says that she passed and, you know, you, you feel some some hope and excitement at the end of the movie right and you know things might get better now that they took out mama you know judge dread isn't exactly a killing machine either because when they break into the drug den initially the people who don't shoot at him they just get sent to the cubes and then there's another instance where these all these teenagers like some very young yeah it, that 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 I wanted to talk about that moment with the teens because that is one of the few moments where you do see that at his core, Judge Dredd, he's not just some violence obsessed maniac. Uh, he does he has a rage against those who disrespect the law, but he's not just a wanton killing machine. Right. He he kind of understands 
that especially for the kids that it's not necessarily their fault and i think it's a matter of a warrior's respect as well because like uh out of respect if you see somebody as an equal if you're a warrior you fight with every single ounce of your being otherwise you're doing them a disrespect by assuming that they can't actually harm you right like if if you don't fight with everything you have then you don't think that they could even harm you but judge dread knows by looking at these teens with these tiny little guns like there's just these wiry right kinda, they're they're, and... they're scared and they don't know what their fuck they're doing right. they tell judge dread to freeze which makes no sense yeah He's like, freeze? If... yeah why <laughs> that's so good if they were real gangsters they would just shoot him but the exactly. fact the fact they tell him to freeze immediately right. judge dread knows these are just a couple of clowns yeah. so judge dread realizes these people these kids are not are they beneath him he does try to scare them by saying, what's it going to be, juve cubes or body bags? <laughs> and his thing, where, I love where he pulls out his gun, like, it just kind of, like, appears in his hand whenever <laughs> yeah, they, like, look so at their quick. safeties. It's so good. Yeah. It's yeah, juve cubes or body bags. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's not a wanton killing machine. No. but he, He's a complex character uh, with some mystery to him, like, there's that mystery about where the psychic's reading his mind, and we don't know exactly what's going on in Judge Dredd's head. We know a lot about him, and we can make a lot of, you know, educated guesses, but he's a complex character, and the movie doesn't go into his character. That's what's so good about it. It's, it's not a normal movie where it takes the normal beats of, like, the old Judge Dredd movie. Right. Here's the backstory. Here's right. his tragic we're gonna life. We're going to uncover the mystery about the character and get to know everything about them. Oh, like, here's the, here's, the how, here's how they make the slow-mo. They take this molecule and this molecule and put them together, and oh, suddenly they have slow-mo. Yeah. There's, there's no need for any of the stupid backstory and exposition or character drama or like any of that in this movie it's just that pure uncut dread goodness yes absolutely absolutely and it rocks yes. it's great i absolutely love the final showdown with mama mm -hmm. it's really great and mama is such a wonderful villain she is absolutely insane. I think she's insane because, you know, Judge Dredd comes in. But she's smart. She's insane, but she's yeah, really smart. Yeah. She's really tactical. She's like what we were talking about with um, Batman. Uh, like, she, she's not a super villain, but she's a super criminal. Right. So she has the, the smarts and the brutality to, you know, create essentially her own law. Yeah, her, or her own empire where she... She gets to be the judge exactly. during executioner. Yes. Because they do talk about how they're ready to expand slow-mo across the city. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if she does that, she'll basically be the mob boss of the city. Right. So they, there is this, this uh, overarching stake uh, in the movie that, like, if slow-mo gets out of control, like, it, it's crime's already out of control, but, like, with this new threat, like it could tear the city apart well, i don't even know if it'll tear the city apart the city's already kind of torn yeah. apart it just means but mama like, will be more powerful it's just this implication that there is a growing threat and if judge dread and anderson can stop mama now it will prevent a lot of chaos and death in the city in the future so yeah. there, there is a there is a greater threat than just peach trees and mama but but it's not overt no and it's not it, it doesn't the movie doesn't talk about it 
it's not given to the audience as if like you have to care about everybody in Mega City One. No, we don't care about that. We care about Dredge. We care about Anderson. We care about Mama. We care about Peach Trees, but we don't care about anything beyond that. Right. So the final showdown with Mama. Dredge shows up. They have a scene of her putting this thing on her wrist, and she tells him, "Oh, I have this device attached to my wrist. There is a buttload of explosives in here. They'll take up the top. They'll take out the top fifty floors." If the top 50 floors go, that means the rest of the building's going. How many people is that? Like I said, about 70,000. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, the stakes are quite high. Right. And this is, again, where we get to see, you know, Mama versus Dread. Finally, right. the one-on-one. Yes. And this, what makes this scene so good is it's not even a battle of arms. It's a battle of brains. Yes. And uh, Anderson, at this point, gets shot in the final showdown. So, so she's, she's kind of out. out. It's just, uh, she's not dead, but no, she's, she's not dead. No, no. And so the, all the other goons get shot and, um, it's just dread versus mama. And mama's like, if you kill me, this whole place is going down. I don't think there's any implication at all that she's bluffing. No, none. We no. know. Yeah. She's... She doesn't care about lives. She just cares about being in control. She knows that dread won't risk killing everyone in order to dispense justice but but that's kind of her downfall (laughs) because dread doesn't give a fuck got no way out judge put your gun down do you know how many people live in this block this isn't a negotiation the sentence is death can't afford to take the risk. He will have his justice. He will be the judge. He is the law. Yeah, he is the law. He sees this criminal he right in it. Yeah. He's not going to. He. This is something that oh, he always says. Negotiation's over. over. Yeah. He's not negotiating with the criminals. He does for a, for a <laughs> short time, but he's very clear about what's happening. Like when he talks to Anderson about his uh, about the training, he like lays out the rules of the training, and then he's like, "Okay, your assessment has begun. Your assessment starts now." <laughs> yeah. And with when in the first scene where he chases down the criminal, he's like, "If you release the hostage, I'll give you life without parole in the ISO cubes." negotiations finished <laughs> and then again yeah. at the end he does that with mama yeah he, he shoots mama but doesn't fatally wound yeah her. he shoots her sort of off center in the gut yeah she goes down but she doesn't die yeah and he's like i wonder if that would if the signal passed through 100 layers of concrete how about 200 let's find out yeah i love it i love it he's so ready to gamble yeah he looks for that tiny (laughs) sliver like oh if i do this maybe i can still dispense my justice right eh, if everybody dies well at least i got my justice and you have to think how quickly the idea came to him too because as soon as they stop talking boom he shoots her right it's not like this long drawn out scene where he has qualms and he's like sweating yeah there's no sweat (laughs) yeah yeah he just makes the decision he knows immediately what he's gonna do yeah so then you have the really badass scene where he's like hanging her above the window Uh and then this is where we sort of see his cruel side come out any last words because he takes he finds the slow-mo yeah he takes it 
he shoots it into Lena Headey's mouth, and then any last words. She and like inhales the yeah, smoke it's, from the slow mo. It's really badass. Yeah, because cause like Mama is being a badass too. Yeah, because where he she is defiant until her very last moment. Because where Judge Dredd is a hundred percent pure law, she is a hundred percent pure crime. She has she's completely accepts her death. Yeah. She knows it's happening, and she she's right. not afraid of it. She doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, she's so mama. She's like, I'm going in. I'm gonna take the slow mo, and I'm gonna enjoy my ride out of this shithole that <laughs> I find myself in. Yeah. So she inhales the slow mo, and he's like, Well, yes, because she he says, <laughs> any last words? She inhales the slow mo. He's like, Noted. And defense then, noted. <laughs> yeah, defense <laughs> noted. Yeah. Yeah, sentence to death. Any last words? <laughs> Throws her out the window. And that's when we get that scene I was talking about earlier, the beautiful scene of the class and Judge Dredd all glimmering. like. And the clouds from the smoke, mm-hmm. from the fires, and everything is beautiful. And, and she creams down to the bottom of trees, and you get this really cool scene that's shot from like the like you're under the ground. Yes. And you see Lena Headey's face like split open on like the ground, but your view is from the ground. Yes. And, and then the blood streaks out and covers the whole screen and she again she's coming to her death she faces it head first Mm -hmm. first head first first head first and then the scene kind of like fades to white as if that's like mama's consciousness like disappearing like she's now dead and then you see the the thing the 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 jewelry she was wearing that will trigger the bombs uh switches to red and then nothing happens. Go back to Dread. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which did you notice on the subtitle? There was an exclamation point. No, I didn't. <laughs> which I thought was really <laughs> There's funny. Definitely no exclamation point in the way he says it. No, it isn't. But to me, for Dread, it, maybe it, it made it feel like that was him celebrating. You know, like yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really great it's so good it's amazing a wonderful ending to a wonderful movie then you have you know the the sort of epilogue where they come out and the commissioner lady is like i'm sorry i gave you i stuck you with the rookie for this big deal what happened in there drug bust perps were uncooperative (laughs) it's just so all matter of fact to him yes and i think there's so many things we didn't even talk about that are so awesome in this movie but like I think we should take a moment to talk about Carl Urban's performance oh as Judge Dredd. I give him so much credit because you know what? I don't think they could have used a big name in Hollywood because they would have complained that, oh, you mean I can't see my face? I don't get to take my helmet off? Yeah. Why would I be in this movie if the people can't see me? Right. There would have been a scene where Judge Dredd gets his helmet knocked off, like the final scene, and then he... And then he then he does his the whole last battle without his helmet or something like that. But no, they commit to the helmet and they don't take it off just to fucking take it off. Like, right. And he I, keeps it on and he he owns it. He does. And I'll give you I'll give a, this is an asterisk because I read this in the IMDb trivia section. Usually I try to go away from IMDb to find actual sources for trivia. But mm. since this is a casual Friday on tuesday on last tuesday week, today, last now. week tonight yes, all yes. i have to give you is asterisk facts so um carl urban insisted that the helmet didn't come off and he would keep it on in between takes oh that's awesome <laughs> and i guess one time somebody on the crew made a joke and everybody was laughing but then he was just like <laughs> <laughs> yes 
so his mouth has a, is a character unto itself yeah. in this movie because that's the only part of him you can see. It should have got credited for its own. Yes, <laughs> Carl Urban's mouth played by itself. <laughs> uh, and it, he just does so good doing the scowls. Like, he gets the mouth <laughs> into this perfect V shape. Yeah. That, like, and it's, how does he even do I it? Don't I don't know. It's like it's, his face has been carved by a sculpture, some, <laughs> a sculptor or something. Yeah. It's so good. And he just he just has that total charisma and character of Judge Dredd, like, yeah, down he, to a T. He really embodied Judge Dredd in this movie. Yeah. I didn't even, the first few times I watched it, I didn't even know it was Carl Urban. And then you told me it was Carl Urban. And I was like, who's Carl Urban? And then when you showed him to me, I was like, this guy's in everything. Yeah, he is a, normally a character actor. But in this movie, he's the star. But again, sort of a character actor because his, his face mouth isn't is even the in star. the fucking movie. His mouth he's is He's not star. really even in the movie because you don't see his face. Uh, so it's like, it's just so cool. Yeah, it's I love, so I love cool. Carl Urban. Carl Urban, good job. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So good in Dread. Ugh, what a great movie. All right, I think it's time to take it to the streets. Okay, so was this movie good or bad? Yeah, it's obviously great, so we should do a review that somebody thinks it's the worst piece of shit ever. One star. Yeah, well, obviously we're going to do one star review. Yeah. We can't do a two star. That yeah. person, if you give it a two star, you're not convicted to hate and ca- your hatred for yeah. it. Yeah, where is the commitment? Yeah, where's the conviction? All right, we're going to do a one star. Usually this is where I would dunk on you about you not doing your homework, but neither of us did our homework. we were way too busy this weekend and (laughs) yesterday, so there's no preparation for this one. But we've seen Dread. I think I've seen it four times now. I think I've seen it three or four times I didn't really need a lot of preparation. We're not going to go into the backstory. We're just talking about the movie itself. Sometimes the backstory is more interesting, but in this case... I think there's a lot of interesting, like stuff to do with the care like the lore of dread and the comic book and everything that we could go into but yeah we go, whatever don't need it don't need it, don't need it. okay yeah. okay so yuck counts as the descriptive in so many ways one out of ten stars wait what's the title yuck counts as descriptive in so many ways Yuck counts as descriptive. What I think he's mean? trying to say there's a lot of places you oh, could say you yuck could say in this yuck movie. yuck about this movie a lot of different ways. Yeah. Okay. One out of ten stars. From? From Sir James DDJ. Okay, Sir James. The 2nd of March, 2014. Mm. Let's just get this straight immediately. This is one of the worst action films I've ever seen. It's seemingly an impossible task to create a good Judge Dredd film. So please, Hollywood, stop trying. (laughs) An hour and a half of mindless and very gratuitous violence. Perhaps a teenage boy or shoot-em-up video game head man would enjoy something (laughs) like this. But for those of us who require something like, oh, I don't know, story or some sort of social message, this is complete trash. As a side note, why in our frozen planet Earth would a movie be placed in a dystopian future and then corner itself inside a building for the entire length of the feature? I'd hope for some sort of social comedy, commentary, or anything, but there's nada. Just more splattering of brains and the ridiculous pandering to 3D when that drug slow-mo is used. Holy Toledo! 
Every time that thing gets smoked, there's at least a two-minute sequence where you have to sit there and watch particles float. <laughs> That's kind of true. Yeah. If you pop this film into your drive, I think the subliminal message is that you've taken the slow-mo because 95 minutes feels like four hours. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. To my fellow human beings, spare yourself the horror and seek other forms of entertainment like shoving bamboo shoots up your fingernails instead of viewing dread. I'm going to go throw the disc in the middle of traffic now. That's it. Okay. So, Sir James really didn't like this movie. No, I think it was a little too subtle for him. That's the thing. It's a in-your-face movie with a lot of subtlety behind it. And if you just take the stuff that's in your face, you know... I can get what he's saying. Yeah, like it is gratuitous it, violence. Right. If you're not if you're not paying as much attention and you miss a lot of the little dialogue because it's like we said a million times, it's not spelled out for you. It's not overtly shown. The devil is in the details. If you're not paying attention, you're gonna miss all that and it will just seem like a drug fueled shoot 'em up. And the world is is in the writing, the world, the extended world is in your own imagination. Because they choose to go, like he says, why would you limit yourself to one building in a post-apocalyptic hellscape? Okay, you just said you didn't like the first Judge Dredd. What happens in that movie? It's not limited in scope. He goes to the wastelands. He comes back. There's all these different sets. There's all this different bullshit that happens, and it's terrible. So what? that clearly wasn't the solution to making a good Dredd movie. Right. Like, there's a great reason for why they limit it and the that it does have an expanded world a sense of of a being in a world to it but it's not on the surface you just have to have that level of you just have to be paying attention right what do you think about him saying that uh there's no story or social me social social message this guy again was just assaulted by the slow-mo lights and the blood and everything and that's all he got because there is a lot, like, we would just spend a lot of time talking about what Mega City 1 is and what that means to the characters and what that means to humanity. And, like, I just find that stuff so fascinating because we're not that far away from Mega City 1. Oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> we really aren't. <laughs> and that's why it's, like, it's just going to take one global tragedy to put us there and that could easily happen like we're yeah. not that far away from a nuclear war or we're not that far away from a globe spanning pandemic that actually fucks with human society you know like this stuff could easily come to fruition right this is in my opinion this is a dystopian future that felt kind of realistic yes yes i could see this happening in our timeline i surely hope it doesn't yeah me too but you could kind of see it happening right and the 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 part about having a social commentary or a social message or something like what is it to how's it supposed to do that like what's the social message of dread the social message is all about you know what it, what does the law mean and what is the difference between right and wrong in sentencing of the law what's the difference between vengeance and justice what's the difference between good and evil like these are good questions to ask, but you can't just say, you can't have the characters talk about it. That's not what fucking people talk about. Like, 
that's the stuff that you think about after you watch the movie. Right. You uh, you see these events unfold, and then you ask yourself, what does it all mean? Right. You don't have the you don't put it in the movie because that's just dumb. That that's like pandering to the audience or like talking down to your audience. Right. It makes me kind of sad that Sir James feels this way about the movie because I feel maybe maybe if Sir James rewatched it and maybe put the subtitles on because I think the subtitles really help you keep up with all of those little little hints that they drop maybe he would find something more from it but I think he because you know what the violence and the drug use is very overt it is very in your face Mm -hmm. so if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff and you see it it can feel like that is the whole movie yes agreed agreed and i i do like his commentary about the slow-mo and the watching the particles fly around that was it was a bit, it, it was is, almost too much and if you're not a little bit like uh <laughs> if you're not a little bit stoned you might not get as much uh enjoyment out of watching those slow-mo scenes which are just a feast for the eyes but there are moments of like uh i don't know they're like a moment of little reflection in the movie and uh i just love those scenes right they literally slow things down a minute before we get back to the neck breaking action right i i think those scenes are just genius but i could see how somebody with a little less patience and a little less thoughtfulness might not get as much what are you trying to say about sir james you know sir james is being honest but doesn't seem like he thought a whole lot about but that's why i'm saying i wish he could watch it again with the subtitles and then you know maybe he might find a little bit more to the movie than what he first experienced because like we were even saying ourselves this is the fourth time we've watched this movie and we picked up on a whole lot that we never caught before yeah definitely so you know sir james i hope you didn't throw your disc in the middle of traffic maybe Give it another chance. But again, I can understand if you are sensitive to violence, if you're sensitive to drug use, this movie is not for you because Mm. that is a huge centerpiece of the movie. But he he apparently likes the idea of dread but doesn't like anything about, like, how are you supposed to have a dread movie without violence? Right. I I don't know, but... Dread is violence. Apparently it's supposed to be, like, a social message for kids. That's what dread is supposed to be. I don't know. Well, you know what, Ross? I think you are just a shoot-em-up video game headman. I am a (laughs) shoot-em-up video game headman, for (laughs) sure. And I agree that that is who this this movie is made for, a teenage boy or a video game shoot-em-up headman. Yeah. Well, I am also a video game shoot-em-up headman. Uh, I guess Dr. Wait, Dr. Sir James. James. Sir James is not a video game shoot-em-up headman. No, I wonder. I'm very curious as to what kind of movies. Vid- what kind of headman? What he kind is. of what kind of headman are you, Sir James? What kind of movies do you like? Let's see if we can find. Oh, he gave he gave John Wick ten stars. Wow, that is a video game shoot-em-up headman game yeah. movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that is definitely a video game shoot 'em up headman movie. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh, he gave Game of Thrones a, a, a low score. Hmm. Well, let's not get into that. Oh, let's not open that bag. But it seems like he only watched season one, so I don't know how you could give season one a low score. Hmm. So, Sir James, thanks for being honest. Yeah, thanks but, for being uh, honest. You're wrong. <laughs> From 
his point of view, you know. He's wrong. No. No, he's Boss wrong. He's, he's wrong. wrong, and he should go watch it again. I don't think he's wrong. I think maybe he just um he just didn't enjoy the movie in the same way that we did, and because he didn't, it never pressed him to search further into the depths of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's so much in this movie that's what, that's good, but what do you if you don't like if you don't like action movies at their core you're not really going to like this movie because it's liked, a great action he movie. liked john wick right all all these people don't know what they want okay you want to you don't want a movie for video game shoot 'em up headmans but you also want a action movie about judge dread but this movie is supposed to also have a social commentary like what the heck are you talking about <laughs> doesn't make any sense. You're really offended by Sir James. I think this is the most offended you've ever been from a take it to the street. I can't deal with it anymore. I am the law. <laughs> I have sentenced you, Sir James, to, to five years Dread. in the ISO cubes watching nothing but Dread. <laughs> then you can find the social commentary. And then what you'll you... see. Let me... Let me take it to a really dark place here. Do you think this movie glorifi glorifies police brutality? That's an interesting question. And I, that's, you know, what I was talking about. The social commentary is in this movie because, you know, especially in America over the last year, we've been having a lot of discussions and a lot of, a lot of political drama unfolding about what is the role of police what exact why exactly do we have police and what are they supposed to do right what is the extent that they are allowed to go to enforce their version of the law right and how do we look at police uh do we view them as oppressors do we view them as saviors do we view them as heroes do we view them as thugs and you know the reality is some mix of the two and it, it's and it's hard to really um to, to pin it down because everything in our society is becoming so complex. Right. And, and, you know, we talk about how awesome this movie is, how awesome Judge Dredd is, but we say he just likes to kill people. Yeah. And he, he obviously enjoys it. And so it's hard to be like, yeah, he's so cool. But then you say, oh, well, he's just a product of the environment. But then so are the criminals. So. Right. And but I also love Mama. So. Yeah. Mama's really, really entertaining and charismatic in this movie, and you want to see her. You want to see Dread win, but Mama doesn't really get defeated in this movie. Yeah, like she, she goes out knowing that she did everything she could to like create havoc, and she's like, "All right, I got this fucking thing on my arm. It's gonna blow up the whole place. Right? Let's see what happens." She did her best. It's like what Jean Luc says: mm -hmm. "You you can do everything right and still fail." That's not unfair. That's just life. Yes. Does it glorify police brutality? No, I don't think that it does. But what it does is explore the idea of a society where there is no time or energy for having justice be something that plays out over a longer period of time right well I mean, and i think i think in this movie they sort of make it out that the uh the judges are the underdogs yes they're the yes. ones facing, fighting against the chaos right whereas in reality it sort of seems like the general population are the underdogs yes the system is much stronger than the individual in in our reality and so uh police 
and police violence is is the stronger force attacking down on the weak and the downtrodden and you know even people who commit acts of violence in our world you can ha have that same discussion about okay well why did why were they driven to commit right. those acts are they just a product they, of the environment right, or are they responsible for their own actions and you get into that minutiae and then the same thing with with cops like like cops who do who do horrible shit and shoot innocent people well then you look at the system that they were brought up in a system that doesn't train them to de-escalate a system that arms them with essentially military grade Deadly weaponry force. yeah a system that allows them to put the badge on without right. the proper training and preparation right and a system that doesn't really care about what is the end result and what what, what are police doing to society like so there's this there's this conflict on both sides and that's what what's in this movie is that like okay judge dread isn't really like a hero no but uh mama certainly isn't a isn't um a hero either no and like there's, <laughs> there's, there's nobody in this movie that you should be looking up to except maybe anderson yeah yeah and that that's what's great about her character is that she is just a person caught in the middle of all these forces yeah it it makes it it make you know action movies make violence cool that's just the way that it is so in a way yes because it's coming from a police officer and you kind of like enjoy watching him kill people you could say that it glorifies it but the way that the movie handles it and just the setting in general i think is just more it's more of a thought-provoking movie in that sense than it is like woohoo go cops you know you're right right because there's even corrupt cops in the movie right so. yeah i agree i agree with everything that you're saying i think it is the movie is so even though it could potentially be a future it's so far from the re our reality that it doesn't really glorify the violence it's just it's just a movie yeah and like but there is a sense that the judges are kind of the heroes in this world you know like kind of, yeah you have one there's literally only one moment where somebody thanks the right. judge the beginning scene where we see him kill the criminal and save the one innocent woman's life and right. she's like thank you judge but she even she seems a bit um well, emotionally scarred cuz she cuz he puts her life at risk in order to j dispense justice to this guy who's keeping her hostage but he does it well so she lives right and she, she also thanks. sees a man incinerate his head incinerate from the inside out. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Judge. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that police officers really are incredibly brave and heroic people that like they, they have a place in our society. But, you know, we have a lot of thinking and a lot of exploring to do about what does punishment do? And what is the point of it? And who do we give the power of violence? And how much, just exactly how much latitude do we give them to use the violence without having repercussions? Because that's, in this movie, judges get to do whatever the fuck they want and nobody can tell them what's what's wrong or right. Right, they're judge, jury, and executioner right. in this movie. But we in our society have some latitude to, we have people who are the 
who police the cops. Well, right? we well they should police the cops right, in a perfect world. I think because you say that cops are heroes and great and whatever. I think in a perfect world they all would be, but unfortunately we live in a human world. Yes, and it's very imperfect. So where there is power, usually there is some form of corruption. Yeah, and there's just you know groups of people tend to look out for themselves so cops aren't going to be eager to be like throwing their own under the bus but uh in certain events like the 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 trial of george floyd is happening right now there are times when it definitely there needs to be a sense that these cops are not the law they are not the law and they're not above the law and the law exists to protect every single person, not not to make the the people who enforce the law somehow above it or different from everybody else. Right. So Oof. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if uh, we'll see the outcome of the trial and what happens with that and. Go watch Dread if you want to think about these issues a little bit more. Yeah, I hope if if you if you are a video game shoot 'em up head man, <laughs> I, you, I think you'll enjoy Dread. Um, if but if you don't like violence, if you don't like nar- narcotics pictured, then you probably will jo- uh, agree with Sir James. Yeah. And, but if you like that kind of stuff, go watch it. Um. All right. I think we talked about Dread, and I uh, hope you liked us talking about some uh, some trailers. Maybe we'll do more of that. Yeah, I hope future. you liked our talks about actual society. Mm, yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was good. I don't know. Sometimes it stresses me out when we talk about real world stuff. Yeah, the real world's stressful, and that's why it's fun to talk about movies because it's a fantasy. Yeah, you can movies. Well, all art is a reflection of the inner world. But of the creators. It's funny. You say art imitates life. Even some of these silly uh, kind of... Yeah, and Judge Dredd is uh, at surface level, like that guy was saying, oh, it says nothing about society, and it's, it's just the blood and gore and gratuitous, but it doesn't. You, you, you got to look underneath the surface to see what are the ideas behind this work of art, and once you start thinking about that, you might find more than you expected so what are we gonna watch next week well, tonight we already agreed to watch arrival so oh yeah let's we're supposed watch that to watch arrival. we were gonna do that next but we watched dread just as a spur of moment and we both wanted to talk about it so we did this yeah but next is definitely gonna be arrival i'm gonna see to that oh um i have a recommendation for people if you like making cakes i recommend the cook the book called snacking cakes uh my friend julie got it for me for our wedding present it's really good that's what i would like to say that's my comment okay make some snack cakes snacking cakes it's a great great book and i want to give a shout out to to julie and bridget for a wonderful wedding present and to kelsey for baking the tasty treats within the book and it's been it's been nice evening yeah the cakes are good. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I think we expended all of our energy going deep on dread. Yeah, so, uh, I didn't expect to get so deep. So yeah, we'll catch you next time for arrival, and uh, you know, 
try and stay uh, safe out there. Stay and safe. Try to stay away from the slow mo. If anybody's got the slow mo, like I would probably try the slow mo. No, ones. no, no. Why wouldn't no. you try the slow mo? Because what if you don't like it and then you're stuck in the well, slow mo? Well, you just do one slow mo. It doesn't last that long. How do you know? We don't know how long it lasts. We can we see the characters smoke it and then they come out of it in like a couple. No, seconds we don't time. know that they come out of it though. We just see from a different perspective. They definitely come out of it. Like I don't we know. see when Mama shoots up and then splashes the water. Like it only lasts as long as the water takes to basically fall. I don't think. But that for her, was the it's like a couple minutes. But for real time, it's only like a minute. Man, like I don't know. And seconds. also, he says you get a cold burn on your mouth from it. Well, yeah, from the inhaler. Yeah, that sounds awful. Okay. It's awful. No. Do you want to be those two guys going into the apartment, buying the slow-mo, and then getting shot up by Dread? I don't want to live in Mega City 1, but if I got a chance to try the slow-mo, it looks pretty cool. If it's anything like the experience of watching the slow-mo on the TV, it looks pretty, pretty dope. No, that gives me anxiety. Yeah, but... Donna, let us know out there. Would you try the slow-mo? Would you try the slow-mo? We don't really get much about the addictive properties of the slow-mo. That's assuming, something I would ask about first. I'm assuming that it's highly addictive. Probably, but maybe it just makes you feel so good. Do that you think if you play the slow-mo or take the slow-mo and then play video games, you'd be like insanely good? <laughs> That's an interesting idea. But like we get a scene of the people who are on the slow-mo. They don't seem to be reacting no, very quickly. <laughs> no, their reactions aren't. That's the problem is you take the slow-mo and you're stuck in the slow world. So imagine trying to like lift your arm up and do something. Right. But you're not yeah you don't want to take the slow-mo when you're driving your car or operating heavy machinery you want to do it in a good place where you're nice and safe and relaxed in the tub i think mama did it in a good way because then you get to play with the water that was kind of cool yeah mama knows how to take slow-mo take her lead if you're gonna do some slow-mo take draw yourself a nice bath get some candles for some good lighting and then flick that water right bef right after you hit hit, hit the slow-mo Flick up the water and just watch the, watch the, watch the fireworks. No. No, thanks. That's a big pass for me, even right. in the warm bath. All right. Well, do your slow-mo. Don't do and, your slow-mo. Uh, Don't do your slow-mo. Stay out of those ISO cubes. Peace. See you. Defense noted. Negotiations over.